0: Good evening. How is everyone? Not sure? Cool. It's going to be fun, isn't it? Um well, um, it's, uh, it's actually my absolute delight to be speaking this evening, because if you've been with us over the summer, you'll know we've had an opportunity to preach on the one thing that God's put on our hearts as speakers, and what is it that God? we feel that God is wanting to, us to share with, uh, with you guys, um, and I've been really delighted about just the different speakers and the way they've um, shared God's heart with us, and, and I get to wrap up this series, so that's, that's exciting for me. Um, and I'm going to be doing that by looking at some really famous words that um, Jesus says. Now, these are words that Jesus leaves his disciples with. So, just to set the scene, he Jesus has died. He's risen from the dead. He's appeared to his disciples in a variety of different ways. And he's about to ascend to go and be with God. The Father and the Holy Spirit will come after that. But before he leaves, he gathers his disciples together and he sends them out with what's called the great commission. And those are the words that we find at the end of Matthew's gospel. So we're reading from Matthew chapter 28. There's always Bibles at the back if you ever want to grab one because you don't need to take my word for it. The word is in scripture. So that's where I'm reading from, Matthew chapter 28, starting at verse 16. It says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him So that's just setting the scene. We're going to come back to that in a little while. But I just wanted to start this evening by thinking a little bit about, can you believe it's September? Can anyone actually believe it's September? September. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I kind of felt that this morning. There was a bit of a nip in the air. This morning was sunny, but there was a nip in the air, and it gets a bit cooler in the evenings. But I cannot believe we're in the ninth month of 2019 already. Where is this year gone? Um, it's scary. It's going really fast. I don't know if you're going back to school or college or uni soon. Anyone in that category? Work, even, maybe. Anyone feeling really excited about it? Cool. Anyone feeling like... I wish the summer was still going on. I wish it was kind of something somewhere like the 14th of August still. have a couple more weeks left. Yeah. Well, do you know what? I might be unpopular for saying this, but I actually love this time of year. I really love it. And I haven't been in education myself for a while, but I've been really influenced by it. I, I was a teacher for a number of years. And I have this kind of urge come September to just go and buy a new exercise book and write my name neatly on the front cover. Anyone else? You know what I mean? Or a diary or something else. It's it's like fresh start is in the air. We've got um we've got these uh we're anticipating something new and it's the new season. We're gonna make some changes. Anyone gonna make some changes in September? Do things differently, hit the gym, whatever it is. Yeah, maybe, maybe not. Maybe holiday weight is, you know, put on never never mind. That's for you, that's up to you. Don't worry about that. Um but I find it a time of anticipation and looking forward. And I haven't been on summer holiday this year. Don't feel sorry for me. I went away in March. It was lovely. Um, But I haven't been on summer holiday this year, but I have spent some time doing lovely, lovely things. One of the things I love to do um, is to go to the cinema. Who doesn't love going to the cinema? It's great. And one of the films that's out at the moment, which I have this real... I'm really torn as to whether I should go and see it, because it was my favourite childhood film. It was one of those films I saw probably three, four times a week, every week for about two years. Anyone know what I'm going to say? Lion King? And I haven't been to see the new one because I'm worried it will like, just tear me apart and break all those memories that I have as a child of, of the cartoon Simba and Nala, you know? And I might be wrong, has anyone seen it and would anyone rate it? Would it, has anyone seen it and wouldn't rate it and say, stick with the, the original cartoon? Okay, okay, so maybe, maybe I should go and see it. But anyway, I love going to the cinema, and that's one of the lovely things I've had the opportunity to do on a few days off. I've also gone for some nice walks in the countryside, eaten some good food. But One of the things I've had to do this summer, which I haven't enjoyed so much, if I'm being really honest, is doing DIY. Because I've had to do some DIY this summer, for a variety of reasons. And I'm absolutely terrible at it. Does anyone love DIY? Is anyone good at DIY? Great, great, great. You're all on my list. You're going to come around and help me because I'm terrible. My attitude towards DIY is, here are some tools. Here's a thing to do. What could go wrong? Let's hit this. Let's hammer that. Let's break that. Inevitably, what happens is I break myself, I burn myself, I cause damage to myself, I have to go and sit down because I've overdone it, and I have a very kind and very patient husband who has attention to detail and is very methodical and takes his time and gets things done properly. So, actually, when it comes to DIY, maybe this is my excuse. He's in charge, I'm taking a back seat from now on, I'd like some help, I'm not very good at it. Um, but. Yeah, that's that, that's the truth of the matter. I've gone into all of these DIY shops recently, and. Um Being really honest, and I I hate to admit this, I consider myself a feminist in lots of regards, but when I go into a DIY shop, I become ditzy and ask for help, and I'm like, I don't know what to do, can you help me? I don't know, what is this? And they're like, that's a saw. I'm like, oh, okay. And I'm like, can I cut metal with it? No, you can't. All of that. I get into a lot of trouble, and I need a lot of help. Um, But actually, most of the time, the people that I've met in DIY shops have been really helpful and really kind and help me actually get on with the project that I've had in front of me. Now, this sounds completely irrelevant, but bear with me. There is a point to telling you about my summer holiday so far, or lack of holiday. Um, And that's because in preparing for my talk this evening, I was thinking a little bit about church, and I was thinking, is church more like a cinema or more like a DIY shop? You're going to have to bear with me here, because no analogy is perfect, but this is mine, and I'm, I'm going to kind of go with it, okay? So just go with it with me. So at a cinema, have a think about it. Last time you went to the cinema, might have been good, might have been bad, might have been The Lion King, brilliant. At cinema, you turn up if you feel like it, don't you? You go if you want to. You've, you, it's your favourite actor in the film, or you've heard in really good things about that movie. So you turn up if you feel like it. And if you go to those fancy cinemas, you get greeted by someone who um, you order a drink and they bring it to you in the seats. I love those ones. Um, you settle down, you... You get comfy. You're ready for a couple of hours of switching off. You're there to be entertained, aren't you? You're there to be occupied, and you're there to be a bit passive, just to switch off for a few hours. And at the end of the cinema, at the end of the film, you might turn to the person you've come with and say, "That was all right. That was good. How did you rate that?" Have a bit of a conversation. You get up go to the loo, go home, and you might not think about the film very much again in the rest of the week. You might a little bit, you might recommend it to a friend, but it hasn't really done much to you. It was just a nice way to spend a few hours. Now, that's really different to what happens when you go to a DIY store, because there you go, not because you've got nothing better to do, I hope, um, but you go because you have got a project for you are actively in need of help or tools or resources um, for in order to get it done. That's the place you go when you need stuff and you want to get on with the task that you've already got. And you're not passive in a DIY shop, are you? Hopefully not anyway. You're, you're there not for entertainment, you're there with purpose. And once you've been given your advice, your, um, your tools maybe, a bit of expertise, a lot of encouragement on my behalf, um, then you go home and you get on with the project that you've got to do. And I was thinking, do we see church like a cinema? Do we see church like a DIY shop? And I think at times all of us are a little bit guilty, maybe, of seeing church like a cinema. We kind of go for a bit of escapism. We go to be entertained, enter another world, see the person up the front, um, do a performance, which we can rate later on. Um, You can not tell me how I'm doing, scorecards are written. Do you know what I mean? Like We kind of see it in this way. We're spectators. We're passive. We go home at the end. We have our dinner. We watch whatever's on BBC or ITV. Other channels are available. We get on with the rest of our lives and we're basically unchanged. And I think all of us at times see church a little bit like that, therefore basically for entertainment. And I wonder this evening, If instead we can see church as a place where we come having discerned in prayer what God might have for us. What is God's project? What is God's mission? What is God's purpose for us? What does God want us to get stuck into? And actually we might not be tooled for that thing right now. We might not have the expertise, the knowledge, the skills that we need for what God is calling us to. But actually we come to church in order to be equipped and prepared for that task. And church that's more like a DIY uh, uh, shop is a place we come with purpose. We come because we expect something. We expect to be equipped. We expect to be changed. We expect to know more of God's plans for our lives. And we need to rely on other people. Just like in a DIY shop, for me, you need to ask someone else for some help, for some expertise. If we see church like that, we need one another. We can't do this mission. We can't do this stuff by ourselves we need to encourage and support and rely on one another and this September we're going to be looking for the next four weeks at, as a church what is God's vision for us in this next season what is God calling us into and how can we equip one another in order to go and live lives as followers of Jesus more so. And we really want to do that. We want to be a place where we equip and empower everyone to live lives for Jesus, not just on a Sunday evening, but out there in the world, the rest of our weeks, whatever that looks like. And so after we look at vision, we're going to then spend up until Christmas time looking at Jesus' most famous teaching, the Sermon on the Mount, and thinking about What does that mean for me? How should I live my life individually? How should we live our lives collectively as followers of Jesus? That's the plan. But tonight I really want to um, focus and dwell a little bit more on this theme of actually the fact that God has called us, God has blessed us, God has resourced us to go out and make a difference. And we need to be a place where we are resourced and we are equipped in order to do that. And so, to set the scene, I just want us to have a look earlier on in the Bible. So, we've looked at what Jesus says, Jesus' parting words to his followers in Matthew. But actually, Jesus isn't speaking to a vacuum, he's picking up on a really key biblical principle that starts way back in Genesis. So, we're going to look at chapter 12. Of Genesis. This is where we meet Abraham. He's called Abraham at that point, and God speaks to him. God gives him a promise, and he says this. He says, I will make you into a great nation. We're looking at uh, verse two there, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So right back at the beginning of the, the Bible, the big story, um, we hear and we see that Abraham's family are blessed by God, not because they've done anything to deserve it. They hadn't. They had done nothing. Abraham hadn't done anything at this point. God wants to bless. What God wants to give good things to Abraham and to his family. But that's not all. Look at the end of verse 3. He says to Abraham that all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And I believe that is a promise that has not ended. That is still true. All the peoples on earth will be blessed because you have been blessed by me. It's a consequence. Abraham would be the person who starts this gift of blessing the whole world with God's grace, God's abundance. Now, if you know your Bible stories, uh, Bible well, you'll know that if you fast forward a few hundred years, you'll see this promise starting to come to fulfillment. Abraham hadn't had any children at this point, but hundreds of years later, he, um, he is the father, or grand, great-grandfather to 12 tribes of thousands of people, the Israelites. And Moses leads them from, from um Is slavery to freedom from the Egyptians. And Moses goes up a mountain and God speaks to Moses about how they should live with one another so they can be a blessing to all people. Not to make them feel bad, not to make them feel constricted, but how do they live well with one another so that they can share that blessing with everyone, so they can be a light to all peoples and shine that light in all the places of the world. And if we know that um, that further on in the Bible, um, this doesn't go well because the Israelites, they keep messing up. They keep forgetting that that's what they've been called to. And basically, the Old Testament is a catalogue of every possible way you could mess up and go wrong and and just screw it up. So if you ever feel like a mess up or a screw up, then look at the Old Testament because someone's definitely done something worse than you. There's um, there's books and books and books all about it. But that's the Israelites. They messed up. They kept forgetting what God had uh, called them to do. And the prophets... These people who God um, anointed to speak his truth into this situation were constantly having to say, guys, wake up. Remember what God called us to? Remember we're not supposed to be doing that. We're supposed to be doing this. We're supposed to be sharing God's love, God's blessing with the world. And Isaiah puts it in these words. He says, He's talking on behalf of God. He says, I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light to the Gentiles, to open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. So basically, he's saying, remember, remember I called you, remember I made a promise with you, through you, those who don't know me will know, come to know my light, my healing, my wholeness, my goodness. Remember what I've called you to. That's what God is saying through Isaiah. But again, time passes, little changes. This is the history of God's people, little changes. Jesus himself is born in a society where there is very little evidence that people are trying to give away God's love to those who don't know it, to show what God's blessing looks like. Actually, people were more concerned about receiving that blessing for themselves than giving it away. But Jesus... He speaks about something different. He arrives on the scene and he brings light to the darkness. Every single person he meets, and especially those who are outside of this promise of blessing, are the ones that he brings wholeness and healing and life and love to. That's what he modelled. That's what Jesus was all about. And he goes around telling people the kingdom of God is here, a kingdom of wholeness, a kingdom of truth, a kingdom of beauty. Jesus gives his life for that cause. Jesus gives his life because he's so desperate for us, all of us, to enter back into that relationship of healing and wholeness and love and blessing that God, our creator God, made us to be in. And Jesus reminds each one of us that it is through us being in a relationship of blessing with God that we can bless the world around us and every person on earth, just like God spoke to Abraham. And so we get in Matthew 28 to Jesus' final words to his followers. And what does he say? He says, Go, go. He says, Make disciples. He says, baptize. He says, teach. Now, none of those are passive words, are they? They're not kind of, you you can't sit back and just let those words wash over you. They demand action. Jesus' followers would have been under no illusion that they could go, oh, that's going to make my life better and I don't have to worry about doing anything about it. No, they had a task, they had a mission, they had purpose when Jesus spoke those words over them. Because The truth is that Jesus requires us to do something, to get involved, to be part of God's life-altering, world-changing, soul-transforming, kingdom-building plans. And this isn't just for some of us. This wasn't just for those 12 disciples who heard him. This is for you and me and every single one of us today to go to make disciples, to baptize, and to teach. Now, you might be sitting there thinking, because that's all very well for you to say, but what about me? I don't know the Bible very well. What am I going to teach? You might be thinking, I'm shy. I don't have any confidence. You might be thinking, I'm new to faith. I don't know what this is all about. You might be thinking, I'm busy. I've got so much going on. You might be thinking, I'm this, I'm that, I'm the other. And if, if that is you, then I'd encourage you to look at the people Jesus initially spoke those words to, his disciples. Who were they? Well, they were fishermen. Read that to be, they were uneducated people. They were very young. They didn't know very much. They were um, misfits, they were... um Sometimes overconfident, sometimes unbelieving, sometimes cowards, sometimes uh, just a bit rude, and they messed up, they got it wrong. So if that is you, you are in good company. Jesus didn't make a mistake with them, and he's not making a mistake when he says the same words. Go, make disciples, baptize, teach to each one of us here today. But what we need to do is to get ourselves equipped to get tooled up. That's why I think church needs to be like a DIY shop. We need to be prepared so that we can go and do what Jesus is calling us to. That's why the Talking Jesus course, brilliant. That's exactly what that is about. That's about tooling ourselves. And so I really encourage you to come to that. And so we need to be prepared to go. We need to be prepared to do this and actually get on with the task God has for us. And at times that might be awkward. At times that might be asking again and again and again for help. When I was doing the DIY the other week, I had to go to this garage next door to my house and say to the guy who ran the garage three times in one afternoon, I'm really sorry, can you help me? I haven't got a tool, I haven't got a saw, I haven't got a screwdriver. It's really embarrassing, but I did it so I could get on with the task that I had. We need to think like that, don't we? We need to ask for help, we need to encourage one another so we can do what God is calling us to do. So my challenge to each one of us this evening is, when we come to church, when we listen to a talk, do we think, I wonder how I can put that into practice this week? When we read the Bible, do we ask, and we need to ask, where's God's wisdom for me here? When we serve on a team, we need to start thinking, how can I use this as an opportunity to put some of this stuff into practice? When we spend time um, in community with one another, we're thinking, how can I learn from these people? How can they help me to grow? How can we together be putting Jesus' words into practice? When we get together in our pod groups, our life groups, we need to be thinking, how can we encourage one another to live lives for Jesus the rest of our weeks? That's how we grow, that's how we tool up, that's how we prepare ourselves. But I also want to say, and this is really important, that this isn't the full story. Because those followers of Jesus, those disciples, they didn't just get sent right at the beginning. They came to Jesus first. They had a relationship with Jesus. They were transformed by the love and the knowledge of who Jesus was first. They knew that his power could change anything because they'd seen him rise from the dead. And until we have that transforming relationship with Jesus, actually, we're doing this in our own strength and not in his. He told them to go to baptize, to teach, to make disciples, and they knew that he was with them, not only because he says that, and those are his last words to them, I will be with you always but because they knew he was trustworthy, because he'd never let them down. He'd always been true to his word. And that's the same Jesus who is here for each one of us today. So we're not supposed to do this um, because it's a chore in our own strength. We do this. And I, I hope and pray that your desire to do this, if you're up for it, is because you have been transformed from the inside out by the amazing love... Of the God of the universe. And you want to do everything possible to share that with our world. And that's why we come to God. That's why we worship him, so that we can be reminded again of the power that comes from the name of Jesus. Worship is so important to that. It's because we worship God, because we come to him that he gives us strength, that his Holy Spirit fills us, so we can be resourced to do all of this stuff. We're not alone. They weren't alone. We're not alone. Jesus' promise is for us too, that he will always be with us, equipping us, resourcing us, empowering us. So I don't know where you're at today. Maybe this evening, you're feeling uh, like faith is a bit of a chore. You're a bit dried up. You can never do enough, you feel. You can never serve enough. You can never give yourself enough. There's always more to be done, and you feel a bit guilty at times. Well, my message this evening is definitely not, and please hear this, it's not a message saying you should do more, you're not doing enough. It's a message saying that actually God wants to equip us, God wants to give us all that we need. So if you're feeling dry, then we'd love to give some space for you to come back to God, to be filled afresh with God's Spirit, especially at this time of year when we've got new starts ahead for many of us. We'd love to pray for you about that. Others of us might be feeling a bit anxious or um, unsure about how we do this. How do we go and teach and baptise? What does that mean? And again, we'd love to pray for God's Spirit to fill you, to give you the confidence you need give you the tools that you need to make a start on that journey but wherever we are at and this is this is how we're just going to end this evening I just want all of us to know the truth that when Jesus says and I am with you always to the very end of the age he is true he is trustworthy and true he said he was going to rise from the dead and he rose from the dead so we can trust that he is here this evening and he wants to give us all we need amen